This is the Raider Cotton Nation podcast with your host, Alpha Mike, and our roster of co-hosts, we patrol America's law enforcement beat. We invite you today on a ride-along. Now, here's your weekly briefing on Raider Cop Nation. Hi, atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet, I am Alpha Mike, your host on the Raider Cop Podcast Nation, episode 112. Today, we are going to talk about Shady Slim, Sharpton, and the new racket. And of course, this will be part of the Sidebar series. As you know, we have five platforms, and this is the Sidebar, which basically deals with a lot of political overtones. Why do we have to mention such a curse word in this show, such as politics? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in politics that want to change the face of policing. They come up with all these crazy ideas and these uh, lunatic type of scenarios of why police work is not working in America. Of course, there's no facts. You don't need any facts. You just make them up as you go along. You make a lot of accusations, point fingers, get loud, get stupid, and all of a sudden, you get what you want. So today we're going to explore Shady Slim, Sharpton, best gangster that there is in the United States. He's so good that he outperformed Al Capone in dealing with the IRS. So, uh, we're going to touch on that. We're going to also going to touch on uh, schedule, one little change that we've uh, done to the schedule. And then uh, we're going to touch a little bit about the Test Everything 1521. And, of course, we're going to talk. This will be our third episode that we're talking about the club. And then we'll lead into Shady Sharpton. So, let's not waste any time because we got a lot on the agenda. Time for the word of the week. Oh Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. And those are two ingredients that today are almost forgotten, faithfulness and truth. Of course, as always, we bring you the word because the word is founded on the rock. It's not on quicksand. It won't sink. It will stay firm and it will benefit your life tremendously. Once you start your your journey with the Lord, he will explain every part of that journey together through Scripture. And speaking of Scripture, Test Everything 1521, we are, again, starting to submit some uh, episodes. Remember, 15 minutes or less on God's Word for your life. So if you're AWOL and you didn't have time to listen to the Word, 
You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to study the Bible. You don't have time, any time for God because you're busy watching football and doing other things. Then you can listen to Test Everything 1521 and we'll bring you up to date. It's not what you should be doing, but something is better than nothing. And uh, we will uh, be doing those. There's also a live feed on there. And so I am considering doing a live feed on Wednesday nights. And then that goes ahead and turns into the episode. So we might do that. So you can hear it live. There's no editing. I don't really do editing on the on the uh, 1521. Of course, when I go live, wait. Just wait. Uh, um, or every mistake in known to man will happen. But sometimes I, I, I might make a, a small mistake, but I just you know keep on rolling through it. This is very minimal, but uh, considering I'm doing that, and um, we want you to, uh, to stay into that word because uh, the podcast and 1521, Test Everything 1521, go together. Where can you hear these episodes? Well, you go to our website, RadarCopNation.com, and on there there's a section on the top that says test everything. You click on there and as you scroll down you can see all our episodes. Episodes last 90 days and then they disappear. But although they disappear, we know that God has prepared those years that needed to listen to that word at that specific time. So we know they don't go to waste. So we encourage you to be a part of that. All right. Uh, let's do a, a, a real quick uh, update on the schedule. Did a small one. I'll just go through the schedule, of course. You're listening to episode 112 on uh, Shady Slim Sharpton and the new racket. Up next is uh, November 13th, CBD. Now what happens with these departments and that's with superhero uh, Mike Sierra. We're going to be discussing mostly the CBD and uh, medical marijuana and how, if that becomes legal, how do these police agencies now kind of tell their employees you can't do it? Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, they do it in the military and that's it, you know, uh, but that's the military court of justice, totally different and uh, then civilian world. And so there are going to be legal challenges, and I know our friends on the left are going to be there with rocks in hand to make sure they destroy the criminal justice procedure as best and as accurate as they can. November 20th, episode 114, The Prayer Business, and we're going to be talking about the National Prayer Breakfast and how that's turned into a social club. The mafiosos around this country are not allowed to socialize and to deal with known felons, especially in areas of the social clubs. The mafia recently passed a rule that all social clubs will be closed. That way the FBI can't take pictures and bug their places. But within our own, under our own noses, in the capital of Washington, D.C., they have the National Prayer Breakfast and what we're going to call here as the prayer business. And we'll explain what that's all about. 
November 27th, the day before Thanksgiving. Of course, we're going to give thanks. And the theme is going to be what you're grateful for. What are you giving uh, grace for? And uh, that's episode 115. December 4th, we're going to lead into who's the boss of the mafia. A lot of, as I said, people have sent in emails they want to know what the current stuff is with the mafia. So we just go down the roll of who's who. And uh, just to give you foresight, you know, what names to look for in the future and so forth. So that's episode 116, December 11th, Truth, Justice, and the New American Way. And that is episode 117. Uh, the New American Way, just to give you a brief update, you know, you don't need evidence. You don't need uh, credible witnesses. You don't need an open forum. The defendants don't need to have an attorney because we're going to do all this behind closed door doors and secret basements. And uh, we're going to come up with a 100% convention right. So that is episode 117, Truth, Justice, and the New American Way. December 18th, post-traumatic syndrome. And uh, that's PTSD in police in policing. Since when? That's the title of that one. 118 is the episode. Uh, PTSD in policing since when? And December 25th, the best of Rated Cop Nation. We're going to put the top five shows, episodes in 2019. And we'll probably roll like uh, about five to uh, eight minutes of each show. And, um, and that, that will be episode 119. And then January 1st is uh, Praise God for Another Year. That will be episode 120. Now, of course, uh, December 25th, holiday, January 1st, holiday, we tape uh, always before. and um, But uh, we're going to wind out the year with those, uh, with those segments. And then in 2020, we are coming up with some, uh, a lot more training. And uh, a lot more people want to hear. And we know that by our analyst, analytics and uh, what people are tapping into, so... We are going to uh, do some training, too, on use of force in 2020, at least four to six shows on that. So keep your eye peeled to that. Of course, we have a superhero uh, uh, co-stars. They're still with us. They're slowly going to start coming in. Uh, Mike Sierra came on. Kilo Sierra came on. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And in 2020, and we had the cop. He came on, too, with a trick or die. And in 2020, we're going to start wheeling in Pistol Pete and uh, Wonder Woman. And, uh, you know, they got a lot to talk about because they haven't been on for a while. And, of course, if you need to get your gun fixed, write down on the bottom notes of our, our episodes. You can always tap into Pistol Pete the Gunsmith. His website is down on the bottom. And uh, you can't go wrong. Why do I know? Well, I trusted... My life was in his hands when we worked together. Today we're going to discuss a little bit about the club. And that was an episode that we did back in, what was that, 109? 10, oh, yeah, 109. One, 109, the club. And uh, we talked about... Um, we talked about how... 
some organizations work. Some not. This is not for everybody. It's not for um, every uh, group. But uh, where I came from, that's how it operated, and it operated there like that for a specific reason. We've touched on some other areas in past shows to give you a little bit more update on on the club. We didn't want to just give you another episode and that's it. So if you remember what we said back in episode 109, that that was October 16th, we discussed that uh, after that show, that I would every show from here to the end of the year, I would discuss a little bit more about the club because people were sending in emails wanting to know more. February 12th, I believe, is the date. Uh, before uh, February uh, 14th, uh, Valentine's Day, we will do a second episode on the club. And, of course, the main one that you want to listen to would be March of 2023. It is where the seven years of Statue of Limitations comes up, and you can hear a lot more in depth about the club. But for now... Today we're going to discuss in the club, we're going to discuss contacts. And we, we've been breaking it down into segments where you can have a little bit better understanding of how the club worked, the organization, the structure. We, we did all that. And uh, we did purpose. And today we're going to do contacts. As we go down, we're going to talk about the rules that we had, membership, and uh, support from other groups and how that was done with a mutual of understanding. So today in the area of contacts, it, all our contacts were strategically done. They all had to have a purpose. I'm using, I wasn't going to contact the milkman if I'm never going to have milk delivered. So we would contact politicians, media, or business people because we knew that we could touch in or to that contact at a later time down the road as we started building the road to get there. Let me explain. So if I, when I, when we first started, when I'm going to go way back to, uh, let's say the early 90s, and I was given specific assignments, as I said, and one of them was in the beginning was to uh, make a little list of uh, the media, and uh, so when we get ready to to contact the media, we can, we can get that going. Now, they didn't know who they were talking to. They thought it was a screwball, and I was going to have like three names on a sheet of paper. I made those contacts. I cemented those contacts, and I used those contacts at pretty much at will. And those contacts were very useful for other things in the structure of media. They also opened up the door for political. At the, the doors were open immensely, and let me tell you, it was like a domino effect. One thing after another started falling in place. And uh, I will tell you, what a congressman told me, he's no longer a congressman, but at the time he was, 
And we were at a political rally. We're backstage. And we had already uh, helped his candidacy. And uh, we were in contact with his aide. There are specific aides, too. There's the general public aide, and there's the aide that you're part of the club. There's also the general telephone number, and then there's the back, back office telephone number. So as we're discussing this, he says, we help each other out in this club. You have a problem, I have a problem, and vice versa. Because when one friend helps out another friend, we all get the objective done. Obviously, I knew I was in the right place at the right time, and it did help us out somewhat. Now, you might be saying, well, what do you mean somewhat? It should have helped you guys out tremendously as far as getting what you want. It should have, but it didn't because politicians should never and ever, ever be trusted. And uh, this is no different. And as a result, they only give you a facade of what they actually feel. All that BS that they tell you is only superficial because behind the contacts they gave you, there's another curtain, and you might not be able to go back there. And they decide uh, what they're going to do. So contacts were important in that respect. They had to be strategic. We're starting to build the road in the direction that we wanted to go. So a lot in uh, government, there's vendors. And, you know, who sells you your shoes, who sells you your uniform, who sells you police supplies, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of these vendors are being kind of supplied through middlemen, through these gangster politicians. And if you were smart, you'd find out how the tic-tac-toe board worked. And all of a sudden, your phone calls when you called the politician weren't ignored. Because if they'd be ignored, God forbid people would know the truth about certain vendors. So one of the things that we did in our organization is that we created a lot of intelligence on how things around us were working. And the corruption was outrageous. Now, I know that there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of enthusiasm out there from people listening to what I'm saying. And I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not talking about anything illegal. I'm telling you that there was corruption that was around us. And that corruption was so obvious and so in your face that you had to be deaf, dumb, and stupid not to pick it up. But instead of tattletelling like little girls in a schoolyard, we used it for our next move. And we were playing chess and we were moving upwards. We were getting stronger. We were getting more powerful. We were moving in the right directions, and we had a lot of people worried. And those people on the top, they wanted to take us out, and they tried as best they could. But we always came back with some credible information that people wouldn't know. Let me give you an example. We had one chief that, uh, you know, he played uh, your amigo, but he wasn't your amigo. He wanted to stab you in the back. 
we found out, me and my partner, uh, uh, Romeo November, and uh, we went uh, national with our club. And through our national connections, we met people from the Northeast, specifically in certain states like New York and New Jersey. And wouldn't you know it that this uh, specific person had uh, relatives that worked up there and uh, was up there themselves. And uh, we got certain files that, uh, let's just say, they were public information. And, uh, but the agency that I worked for, they probably didn't have them, but we did. And there uh, were certain allegations that were made against that person that we never used. I, I said, you know, we're not going to go out like that. And at one point, I was facing a five-day suspension from this individual. And they told me, and they encouraged me, and they go, you got enough to bury this son of a bitch. He'll get freaking canned out of here the next day. And I said, yeah, but we're not going out like that. My five-day suspension never happened. But you got to know when to press the trigger. You got to know when to press the trigger. So as those ears out there that are picking up the informing, the information, and they can go out and inform to their co-workers how things work, it is my understanding and my belief that none of this exists today. If it does, I don't know nothing about it. What I do know is probably the last sitting person that knew everything about this retired on Halloween, trick or treat. All right, so episode, what are we at now? We're talking about episode 112, sidebar series, and we are going to discuss Shady Slim Sharpton and the new racket. Time to get the clock. <laughs> United States Congress has opened up a subcommittee on the oversight hearings on police practices. The chairman, Mr. Jerry Nelder. Of course, you must know him. He's the, the, the one that's making up stories as it goes along on everything else under the sun with Russia, with this, with that, and the other thing. It's not as bad as that other goof with the shifty eyes, but they are talking about police practices and reform. Now, back in 2017, President Obama, he had a police reform committee that was formulated back then. And they came up with this guardian thing, which was prim primarily about police officer training changing from a warrior mindset to a service mindset. Foolishness. Because the warrior mindset 
as we said back in some episodes way back, is a part of that officer's survival. You can't teach defensive tactics, defensive driving, and, and firearms as a servant. Let me serve you some bullets. You have to do it with a warrior mindset of survival. That when that weapon comes out, the officer wins. So the, th- the, the theory is a made-up one back in 2017, that police officers were inherently violent, regardless of the bad guys being violent and and so forth. They pinned it on the cops. So all of a sudden, that well, that was there, and they kind of, it was there, wasn't there, it just drifted. Obviously, when Obama left and Trump came in, uh, that kind of went to the wastebasket. The attorney general at the time said he wasn't really interested in moving that agenda at this specific time. Another thing that they did during the Obama administration was hit police and correctional agencies with constitutional uh, reform or uh, violations of constitutional people's rights. So let's say you were a police department. They would say, well, uh, you have been shown to be... uh, violating people's constitutional rights on traffic stops, on use of forces, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, correctional agencies the same. Now, they were non-discriminatory, these uh, Justice Department investigations. They were strategic in nature. And an example of that, they hit Miami-Dade with one in an agency that primarily had 72.5% of the agency was black. But the reason that they hit them was not because of their racial makeup, but mostly because it was a strategic hit. Because they're not thinking in terms of a local jurisdiction. They're thinking in a national project. So they had to hit primarily... uh, the southern half of the peninsula, being Florida, strategically. And they did all that. Of course, they are casualties in war. They're uh, friendly fire, and some of that happened in that agency. But uh, you count it up to the game. But the Trump administration comes now, and you got uh, Attorney General Sessions. He comes in, and he moves his magic wand with, I'm not really interested in that crap. And the reason it was crap is it's all politically motivated. You know, you've heard the term, you can convict a ham sandwich or indict a ham sandwich. You can create any allegation that you want against any police agency in America. And then all of a sudden start screaming out, oversight, oversight, oversight. And the only real tool that they had, because the federal government really doesn't have that bite that you think they might have, is that uh, you weren't going to be able to get some grants in the future. There is the possibility that they could sue and get their money back from other grants, but unlikely that that was going to happen. So they didn't have much bite in enforcing this. 
So Sessions at the time says, oh, we're going to focus on other things. And, of course, I think that was the right call because a lot of that stuff was politically motivated. And as we look at it, now we're in, we're in uh, the second tier of this police reform. And now they've called it the Oversight Hearings on Police Practices. Now, mind you that the committee back in 2017, and we're posting all this on our show notes, I guess they were too busy to do this specific thing. So now they've given it to the Judicial uh, Committee of Congress, and I don't know if, if anybody out there has ever witnessed government fixing anything for anybody. So case in point, this is madness, folks. They are looking into this. Now, originally for this podcast, the cop was going to come in, but I wanted to spare him this specific episode for two reasons. One, this is a little bit more uh, racially motivated, and I didn't want him involved in that because he's active. Two, this is just the beginning, folks. And I didn't want to get him, I want him to get involved when he starts to feel it in his agency. So it hasn't really been there at this time, but it will be. So I kind of spared him that. When I say racially motivated, is because in order for this group of lefties, which are communist in nature, as we know, their basic primary objective here is to weaken policing in America. You weaken it, you destroy it, and then you build it. That is the premise of everything these leftists do. The Constitution is bad. Everything is bad. Everything that has ever been invented in this country is by some evil, demoned, white-possessed male. And we can't to use that any longer. So we have to reinvent everything. Policing is a part of that. When I also say policing, it's synonymous with corrections as well. So it's not just the streets, it's your criminal justice system and, and the tiers in the jails and prisons, which are revolving door that these uh, leftists use as well. And so now when we look I wanted to dissect this very slowly, so I just wanted to start with the introductional part of this. And let me tell you what I came up with. And I, I do pretty good on investigations. I've, I've had talent, let's just say, in that area. And it took me all of five minutes of putting uh, the pieces of the puzzle together, and I went, uh-huh. And here we learn uh, one of the opening testimonies of this oversight hearing on police practicing. That was back in September. This is the first time they're going to meet. Uh, Jerry Nadler comes on to do his opening credits. And uh, like two minutes into his freaking speech, he's kicking uh, police officers in the nuts, saying that, uh, you know... Uh, there's a lot of bad cops out there and so forth. So, again, how do you, how do you have a, a, a political committee 
that two minutes into their theme of what they're trying to do, you're kicking somebody in the nuts. That tells you where they're going with this. So after he did his spiel, uh, the chairman, which was boring, let me tell you, this is hazardous pay, what I'm doing. Four hours, and it's, it's going to be posted on the show notes, four hours of this crap, four freaking hours of this dribble of these politicians talking into microphone, talking shit, by the way, because none of what they're talking about makes any freaking sense in the police world. So they have their list of panelists. And, of course, one of them is the grand gangster himself, Shady Slim. Shady Slim is true to form with his $500 suit on. I might be lowballing him, and if I am, I apologize. And he's sitting there just as cool as could be because he's in charge of the racket. And when Shady Slim comes up, his five-minute intro was based on one thing. He said, now get close so you can hear this. Put your, put your ear on the speaker. He says to the congressman that one of the things that need to be eroded is local policing of themselves. So he doesn't believe that local police departments can police themselves fairly or state police policing those localities. He believes that only the national standard will be able to put that standard across the board and every agency, all 18,000 of them, have to obey. Now, of course, you know that it's easier to control one entity than 18,000. So Sadie Slim, being the gangster that he is, what they're trying to do is to control law enforcement. You want federal powers. Now, what's interesting is the makeup of these congressmen that are there. And I'm looking at them, and you know, a couple of Republicans were there. And, uh, you know, there's a little tit-for-tat going on. One of the Republican congressmen wanted to bring up every a bad, illicit word sentence that Al Shady Sharpton has ever produced. And I don't think it was wrong. I, I don't, because this man is being sworn in to testify in front of this congressional committee to change police practices. And this guy has a documented history of being a bigot. And he's sitting there when he's being, didn't you say this? Didn't, and, and then he wants to explain why he said it and justify why he's allowed to say it. Same, that standard that he's applying on himself, my friends, you and I will not be allowed to put that standard on us. That's why it's not fair. So here, that's the purpose, the premise, the intent of this group to control police agencies. When I say police, they are one in the same, corrections and police. Control them all under a national umbrella. At one time, they were thinking about creating a national police force, but they figured that that one's too freaking difficult. So 
control the standard for everybody's the same under national umbrella. And uh, that way we can control these different agencies to what we want. And so he spelled it out. So we're looking down the dais, the rest of these goofs that are on there, and there's this one gentleman by the name of Ron Davis, 30 years in police work and 20 of those with the Oakland Police Department and eight years as the city chief for the city of Palo Alto, California. And he gave his dribble of five minutes. Now, this after I saw this, I said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I think I got enough for the show. And I just want to take an opportunity and read to you uh, this man's uh, testimony. I'm going to read to you the sentence exactly that he said, and then I'm going to give you some uh, little, a little case history. So let's roll on that one. All right, here we go. This is the testimony of Ron Davis. And he starts off with, these are not new problems or ideas. Much of much work has been done over the past 10 years to improve our police practices and systems, including the seminal work of the president, President's Task Force on the 21st Century Policing. Gives credit to Obama. Of course, you always give credit to the hack that sent you there. With that being said, Mr. Chairman, my concern today is not that we haven't made progress in our policing practices. My concern is that this progress has stopped, and we are now erasing that progress with DOJ current efforts to head back to policing practice of the 90s. I was a street cop in Oakland during the 80s and 90s, and I can tell you firsthand that this nostalgia for the police practices of those years is misplaced. As an Oakland officer, I worked in specialized units, including including as an undercover officer purchasing narcotics that resulted in thousands of arrests of mostly young black men of color while simultaneously watching the homicide rate climb to over 170. I also witnessed how these policing practices destroy communities of color and the future of thousands of young men of color by treating drug addiction as a crime and with unfair sentencing practices. We know now that these practices and tactics did not work and they caused significant collateral damage. All right, so blah, 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 we can keep on going. So then I looked and I said, well, Mr. Davis here is very opinionated that that uh, we did make progress. The 80s and 90s uh, significantly hurt a lot of African-Americans, and a lot of the arrests were uncalled for. He subsequently went up the ranks in these areas. He was a chief in Palo Alto, California. So I started to look and I said, well, let's start the first primary piece of the investigation. During Mr. Davis's term of office, he worked uh, 20 years, he said, in Oakland, starting in 1985. So he finished in 
in 05, I said, let's look to see who was at the helm. And I discovered his, uh, the first uh, mayor uh, between the time frame of 1977 and 1991, the mayor of Oakland, California, was a guy by the name of Lionel Joseph Wilson. You, you know, what a freaking coincidence. This guy was a Democrat. And he was the first African-American in office. So here's the first black mayor of Oakland Police Department, and we're putting all these people, and in his testimony, he talks about the increase in homicides and drug offenses and blah, 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 blah. But look who's at the helm. All right, so let's go to the next mayor because maybe he'll do something during this career. Remember, our timeline is from 1985 to 2005. 1991 to 1999, that's eight years. We get a second black mayor for Oakland, and that is a guy by the name Harris. So apparently he must have been a dud also because the numbers still climbed. But I'm sure before he left in 2005, it must have gotten better. Now, I can't tell you that there was an evil white man that was the mayor of Oakland during this time frame, 1999 to 2007, and that was a, a goof by the name of Jerry uh, Moonbeam Brown. He also became the governor, Governor Jerry Brown, and Jerry Brown was also the chairman of the Democratic Party for California. How in the world could this happen? Under Democratic watch, all this increase and all these failures that occurred. But this goof is saying in his testimony, we did a lot of progress. Well, which one is it, uh, Kermit? We did or we didn't. And everything stopped now three years from now, three years ago. These people think that you're stupid, that, you're, that, that nobody can figure anything out. Under their watch and their cities, police departments that they're running, mass incarcerations for petty-ass crimes like this guy's saying, and they, being the African-Americans, because primarily this logistical watch is being produced by them through uh, Shady Slim Sharpton. Okay? You look at the congressman. Look at the, you look at the video yourself. Look at the audience. Look at the gallery. You'll see what time it is. And some of those congressmen, at least one I know, there's one in there that used to be a chief of police of Orlando Police Department. And they're sitting there saying that everything is wrong with policing. But we've done some strides, but everything stopped three years ago. But the numbers were horrific in the 80s and 90s in the jurisdiction that this gentleman is talking about under Democratic watch and under a mayor that was African-American. Recently, the president of the United States signed prison reform, but that sat on Obama's desk and never got signed. Why? Why didn't it get signed? It would have stopped all these petty crimes like they're trying to say. Why was it, why did Jim Brown, the football player, have to go see five presidents or whatever he said to try to get the reform done and never was done until Trump showed up? Why? Why did the Democratic Party allow it to linger? 
because it's identity politics and something that they play into. Make no mistake, my friend, Sadie Slim is on the case. It's to national, create a national standard for policing. Then you can railroad any police department you want with a few phone calls, opposed to getting on a plane and going from one part of the country to the next, trying to learn the local administrations and the state laws that should be governing. Let me tell you this. If there's any buffoon out there that actually believes they are rogue police departments that don't have oversight from their political machinery, their uh, state police, and their state governments, you have got to be a lunatic. So does it, will it exist? It will at some point. Of course it will. Corruption is inherently part of what people do in all around the world. But eventually they're going to get caught because not everybody's, not everybody's part of that corruption. So could it happen? Yes. Will it, will it be dealt with? Most certainly as well. From judges that are corrupt that have gotten arrested to police departments and so forth. But to say that every police department systematically is running ass backwards, you've got to be a raving lunatic to believe these idiots. And they're headed towards creating their form of justice, a national standard. So let's see where, these pol- where this uh, committee goes. Besides the toilet, I don't agree with anything that they're doing here. And specifically because it's a hack, hack it job. They're trying to really hurt policing. Um, if you look at the correctional aspect of what the committee is doing, I'll give you a, just a brief description. Um, uh, doing away with solitary confinement, um, no shackles or anything for any minors. And they, you know, they say words like minors and children. Some of these people are animals, and they are not allowed to be handcuffed and shackled in federal proceedings because their jurisdiction only goes federally. But if they could make that a national standard, it would go all around the country, wouldn't it? So you've got a 17-year-old that doesn't know how to act because their adrenaline rush is out of control, and all of a sudden you're not going to shackle them and take them to court? Are you kidding it's a freaking law enforcement officer's nightmare. And this is what the, these goofs are doing on the other side. So on the correctional side, it's a more nicer type of correctional setting for everyone's benefit. And on the police side, kick them in the nuts and make sure that they can't do their job correctly. So much more to keep the eye here. I do want to give a shout-out to... Shady Slim Sharpton, because credit has to be and credit due. He runs his network, which is the National Action Network, with uh, his bigotry there. And um, there is, uh, when you go to the National Action Network, you will see that he is against the position of China. I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. It says NBA has to stand up to China. Okay. So that is 
uh, Shady Slim's Sharpton's position. He thinks that uh, the people of Hong Kong that uh, these athletes need to be supporting and uh, not not behind the money of China. So that one took me back a little bit. So, you know, uh, Shady Slim is always two moves ahead. I got to give him that. But, uh, uh, again, if the uh, Chinese check is cash, this uh, video that's on there may disappear off his website. All these things will be posted on the show notes, and they will give you more of an accurate breakdown of what we're talking about. Listen, be not fooled that Democrats of today are against policing. I know like they like to give you the BS that they're not. They also tell you how they like the, uh, our military and so forth. But in every opportunity that they had to shot to kick them in the nuts, they did, and they continue to do it. No, don't be fooled. In order for these commies to take control of a new government, they have to get rid of all these cops. Cops are standing between our liberty and these communists. Believe you, when, believe you me when I tell you, police are one of the last defensive lines here. They want to take your guns and they want to cripple your police department. As a friend of mine that's a commissioner often says, no one likes to be neutered. And that, my friends, is what the communists left in this country are trying to do. They're trying to neuter police work in America. What's up next? Well, we're going to have a conversation with our superhero co-host, the original Mike Sierra. We're going to talk about CBD, miracle marijuana. I'll do my thing on how this is going to affect uh, law enforcement in the future. And Mike Sierra is going to talk to us a little bit about the sticker program that is doing medical marijuana and how it's helping uh, veterans. And I want to give them that time. It's something that I may not be jumping on wholeheartedly with. But what made me listen was the true life experience. I didn't read it in the newspaper. I didn't read it on Facebook post. I'm getting it from somebody that I dear is dear to me, that I listen, and he says it's working. And because that relationship means more to me, I'm tuning in to what he has to say. So for a lot of law enforcement officers, we're not right there when it comes to marijuana because we've been told a lot of things. But uh, I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to ask those tough questions. And one of them is going to be, what in the world is law enforcement going to do if all this stuff gets legalized in the federal and state levels and then they turn around and they tell their officers, zero tolerance. Are you kidding? With the lawyers, the lawyers in America, the lawyers, the lawyers. They'll be up your rear end in five minutes, okay, talking about uh, billionaires are billionaires, the lawyers. 
And uh, so we know that's not going to work. Is it a plot from the communist left to destroy in the future policing with these lax laws that they're creating? I don't know. But uh, I'll keep my eye on it. That's for sure. So as always, it has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Beta Cop Nation. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, your community, and most importantly, the police agencies that serve you in your community. And never forget the continuous prayer for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike. And guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet.